Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Ask the Amigos. This is where our illustrious Discord community asks us questions and we answer them. It's a stunning revelation. Truthfully our first question, and honestly. That's our key. That's right. Our first question comes to us from Jonah, who says, What is the most grueling and difficult Amiga game you've ever played? What do you think, Aaron? Oh, the most grueling? Because, see, you got to think, grueling means I played it a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and it was difficult. So I, those aren't too many of those. Uh, why don't you start to... I mean, I'll have to ponder that one for a minute. I, I You know, as far as games that I've played a lot, I'd say um, probably Blood Money is pretty grueling and difficult. Um, I don't like that game, but I've played it a lot just because I've tried to get into it several times because I know people tend to think highly of it. Um, but I just I hate the fact that the corridors are so small. I hate the fact that your ship looks so dumb, and I hate the fact that there are so many enemies that are so big. So I, I go with Blood Money. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna anger people when I say this, but I, the one that popped into my mind after I thought about it for a spell was freaking Syndicate. I tried like game because I mean it's Syndicate. It's got a big rep, you know. But to me, it was confusing, difficult, and playing it was. I didn't get a whole lot of joy from it. Uh, I know it's not a bad game. I don't think the Amiga version is the best, to be completely honest with you. I'd played that on the PC before, and it was less of a, of a, of a drag. I But I did not, you know, I didn't enjoy playing that for the show. I will say that. It's one I plan on going back to one of these days to give another whirl, but I found I just found it very difficult. Another one, I'll tell you, another one that I thought was crazy was that North and South. Everyone loves that game, and my God, we tried. I just couldn't get my head around the game. Yeah. You know that. I mean, to be honest with you, to be honest with you, most Amiga games give me trouble. No, they Um, don't. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's just the game computer, especially computer games. I really feel like kept that rock hard difficulty curve going longer than console games did. You know, console games sort of through the years softened a little bit and let you ramp up into things. But man, those Euro developed uh, Amiga games. Like those psychosis games, rock, rock hard, man. Right, but I don't think of them as grueling. I was trying to think oh, of something well, that was yeah. grueling and difficult. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, uh, Lord Soup asks, you win a truly ridiculous sized and resolution monitor or TV in a contest and loads of gaming hardware, new and old, to enjoy it with. Yeah. What is the first game you'd want to play to see it massive on screen and super sharp? Is this any game from any system? Any game from any game from any time period. For purely nostalgic purposes, okay? Because this is not my favorite game. But, I mean, I do respect the game. When my buddy, Rich, got a, one of these projector TVs, he lived in a place with a vaulted ceiling, and so he would project this thing on the wall, and it was huge. And you got to think, this was like when no one had these, okay? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And he got a, it was right when the PlayStation One came out, and he got one of those uh, PlayStation Ones and had Wipeout, the original Wipeout, yeah. and that game melted my brain. It was so huge and glorious. So I would mm-hmm. probably play Wipeout just as a silent tribute to my fallen pal because that was a that was a real crazy. I'll never forget the feeling I had when I saw it. Sort of like the first time you look at really good VR or something. It's just one of those mm-hmm. things that sticks in your head. So I'd probably go with that. 
Yeah, Wipeout's a great choice. I would go with a racing game, too. I would probably go for Super Mario Kart on the Switch. I'd go modern. Um, I don't know if you've played Mario Kart on the Switch, but the tracks are just out of this world. I mean, they're so... They're so wacky. You know, there's stuff in space. There's stuff on, you know, in, under the water and stuff. And I'd love to see that blown up in ultra HD, you know, in larger than life. That would be really cool. But I've racing never games. A, I've never been a big fan of Mario Kart. I mean, I don't hate it. It's not, it's not a yeah. game I enjoy. And it's funny. The kid's got a Switch. He gets all the games, but he, he's never asked for Mario Kart. Yeah. You know, he's got it well, for I, DS. But I think the, the racing games, racing games in general, our natural choice for any kind of system to show off its visual effects, you know, because you've got things that are moving quickly. You've got the models of the cars themselves. You've got people in the audience or whatever. So, yeah, um, there's a bunch of, you know, Forza Horizon would be another good choice. But, yeah, it would probably be a racing game for sure. Um, Bundy asks, have you ever experienced Christmas without snow? Yeah, almost all of them. In fact, this was the first Christmas, I think they said in five years, that had snow on it, and I can tell you this is the first Christmas that had substantial snow that I can remember since probably the two, early 2000s, maybe. I mean, we mm-hmm. don't ever... There have been more Christmases that we wore shorts than, than we had snow. And it's not to say that West Virginia's got a lot of, you know, hot climates. It's, just, it's one of those wacky things that happens around December. It's often, I guess, an Indian summer or something, Boat. Uh, but yeah. And I'm guessing you're about the same. Well, yeah, because we live in the same place. But, I mean, place. you were overseas. Did they get The places you were, they didn't get a lot of snow over there, did they, for Christmas? Oh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was only overseas for two Christmases. Um, one, uh, you know, two of them were, and they were both in Korea. And yeah. uh, Korea is so close to the, or where I was in Korea, certainly places in Korea get tons and tons of snow. If you've seen any footage of the Korean War, you'll know that there's there's tons of snow up, up in the northern yeah, part of mouth, South yeah. Korea. But I was in the southeastern part, and it wasn't the fact that it was too hot for snow. It was just too close to the ocean. Yeah. And so we, we, we didn't get any snow. Of course, no snow in Thailand when I was over there. Right. Um, one of the things that I hated about Thailand is that it was November, and it was still 85 degrees. You'd love it because you love hot weather, but I was ready for a change. You know, I was watching a show yesterday. They were talking about the making of the Mortal Kombat movie. Remember that? Mo- Mo- you know, yeah. Mortal Kombat? I didn't realize they'd filmed a bunch of that in Thailand. Interesting. And they said there were either. tons of it that you couldn't get any. The only way you could get to it was to boat in, like the in, mm. like the super interior stuff where they were shooting. I thought that was kind of neat. Beautiful that is out neat. there. Yeah, they showed some scenes. It looked gorgeous. Um, let's see. Chris Folds asks the greatest story ever told is a Christmas Carol and was enhanced by the Muppets. Thinking back over the classic movies, I can't think of one that wouldn't be better if not by the Muppets. Prove me wrong. This isn't really a question, but I'm going to make it into one. So, what classic film would you like to see a Muppet version of? Now, that's an intriguing question. Um, uh, you know, so, I saw the original, I saw all the Muppet movies for years. In fact, I even saw the last one that they put out. Uh, and so, I was a big Muppet fan. Uh, I would like to see the Muppets do it in a non-comedic role. Or maybe they could make it funny to do something like, um, I don't know, Citizen Kane. Or uh, how about um, maybe like, uh, I'm trying to think of like a horror movie where you could stick Muppets in there and it would make it funnier. Maybe like a Friday That's 13th every horror or movie. something where, you could have, where the Muppets were being hunted. 
That might right. be fun. Because, I mean, they remember Roger Rabbit. They weren't Muppets. They were cartoons. But it was similar, the similar situation where they sort of had them in sort of serious but wacky roles. Mm-hmm. So I could see, like, taking them and putting them in something that's sort of serious but is also wacky. Like Evil Dead with Muppets might be kind of fun. Something like that. Well, you know, th- this question is funny because if you remember the original Muppet show, there were so many send-ups of movies yeah. with Muppets as characters. Like they, Star this is sort Wars, of Indiana Jones, they did a lot of Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I would look probably, I feel like the Muppet franchise is a lot like the Lego franchise in video games. How making a Lego version of, you know, these games, because those games are all pretty good. I'd love to see like a, a Muppet Star Wars, you know, original trilogy or Muppet Indiana Jones, something like that. Well, they, um, they pretty much did Star Wars on the show. Like they did a yeah. whole Star Wars like episode where they, they reenacted right, right. a bunch of it. So, um, but I don't know. It's it's hard for me to imagine the Muppets in a purely serious role. Uh, it just seems like that would sort of destroy the 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 magic that makes the Muppets happen. Like I w- I wouldn't want to see the Muppets played straight in a horror movie. Well, I don't. That would that wouldn't do it. For I agree. Me. I would. I mean, yes, I I did say the Muppets should be in serious roles, but I mean. Uh, they would still have to be wacky, and they would just make the movie wacky. Yeah, it would just give yeah. a little a little comic relief. That's right, um, yeah. <coughs> that was one of the problems with the, uh, I think it was when the Muppet Show was relaunched on HBO or whatever. Like, they tried to make it, like, gritty and adult and all this stuff. And it's just like, that's just not what the Muppets are. Like, and you can see that when you watch, remember the new Muppets? The new Muppet movie that came out a couple years ago where they had those, like, the Moppets? That were like the dark and gritty like version of the Muppets. Do you remember that, Aaron? Well, the last movie I saw was where they added that new Muppet, and they were they all went to Hollywood to film the show in the new soundstage or something like that. So that's the last, I thought that was the newest one, but there could have been one after that. I don't, don't know. Well, in, in this version of the show, and this that. this came out probably about ten years ago. Uh, Kermit, you know, all the Muppets have broken up. And they 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 break yeah it's the one that you're yeah, talking about it. they they have to go yeah but anyway remember Fozzie's performing with these moppets they're like the dark and gritty muppets and they curse and all this stuff it's I don't know you 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 should you should we watch it if you if you don't I don't know yeah, that. I remember that I, I yeah. kind of thought that movie was pretty good yeah actually. I thought it was great I, yeah. I was very I was pleasantly surprised because I was expecting it to be garbage you know when you get real super serious muppets then you're kind of crossing over to that dark crystal territory right. Don't and cross into that because that ain't was nobody want any more of that. That was too yeah, disturbing one, for even old A. I was just like this ain't working once for was me. Enough. Anytime they kill Muppets, it's one thing if you if you like I had a uh, like a Friday Thirteenth knockoff and you're Ginsu and some Muppets and they because they don't really die, but in that movie, mm-hmm. actual Muppets were killed. It was horrific. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. Pixels at Dawn asks, when can we expect the Aaron Dowdy memoir Up on the Mountain to be released? It's funny he should mention that because I, I toyed with the thought of making one when I lived up on the mountain because I thought to myself, very few people would be in this situation. Yes. Uh, but the problem is I have no writing skills and I'm a hack. And so I wouldn't hold your breath on the Aaron memoir. If I could get with like a, a ghost writer and I could come up with some good stuff, maybe then I could have the memoir. The other problem is no one in their right mind would read said memoir. So that's it, a lie. It's hard that's to a squeeze a lot of. Uh, it's hard to squeeze a couple of chapter, chapters out of set on ass eating macaroni and watching eight hours of Japanese wrestling. That that it's hard to make that exciting. Boat, I'm afraid. 
<laughs> Pixels also asks, given the number of misremembrances of films John has, when can we expect Boat's alternate history of cinema to hit the shelves? Now that's a winner. Yes, that would be gold. You can expect that soon. My first chapter is all about Marty Jannetty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good start. Okay, I've got a question for you, Aaron. What? What is the most disappointing movie you've ever seen in the theater? You know, didn't I already answer this? Yes, and I already erased it. <laughs> well, I I would say uh, the most because I I know the movie I hated the most, but I think it was pro. I think in fact I think I wrote this that they would probably it's something with Will Smith. Probably I am legend. Oh, I am legend. Because I love that book. I love that book, okay? Now, let, let me ask you a question, because I know a lot of people, a lot of your internet people hated that movie, because at the end of the movie, they panned over, like, the new village, and there was a church there, and people seemed to take great offense that Christianity can survive the apocalypse. They did? Is that the reason why you hated that movie? No. I didn't even know. I don't know what... The there was a huge, th I remember when this came out, I was reading a bunch of reviews and people were just incensed that they would include a church in the new village, wherever well, the new no. village was. Well, allow me to uh, to call those people idiots, all right? The guy that wrote I Am Legend was a guy named Richard Matheson. You ever heard of him? No. Yeah, you have, because he's written a ton of stuff that you probably like. He wrote okay. a ton of Twilight Zones, a ton of anthology stuff. He's a, he's a science fiction and fantasy legend for the people that know who he is. And it's not like he just is some guy that's obscure. Like, he's done a ton, okay? Movies, whole nine yards. Remember uh, the uh, Star... Uh, he's done so many Twilight Zones that it's ridiculous. I think he did Terror at 10,000 Feet or whatever. The one with Kirk and a Gremlin on the plane. Also, that was He did a ton of those. The guy's a stud. So he writes this novel, that, and it's had movies. It's had, like, this is like the fourth or fifth movie to be made out of it. And almost all of them suck it up. The only one I thought was halfway decent was The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price. They did a pretty decent job. Because they just take the movie and they stomp on it. And Will Smith, and this is not a per no, it is. This is a personal attack against Will Smith. <laughs> Stop ruining my life by making I, Robot, and Wild Wild West, and I Am Legend. He went in there, and Ali, all the stuff that I like. It's almost like he got into my... Uh, brain and it's like what's what else i'm sure a new pro wrestling movie's coming out with him in it he he sucks everything he picks is garbage i don't like him and he ruins all these films now he didn't write the movie so the writers of that movie they should be taken out hauled out and, and beaten by vampires for that travesty hated it hated that so i would say that Okay. Okay. For me, I know you didn't you didn't ask me for my opinion, but I'll give it to you anyway. I had a pretty good run, I think, of going to the movies when I was a kid. Like I don't remember ever going to a movie when I was a kid and coming out and thinking, man, that 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 sucked. Because going to the movies was like a rare event. I didn't go see a lot of movies. And so no matter what we saw, I usually thought it was pretty good. Um the worst part of the movie for me was going to the was the previews. Because I was scared that I would see something in the previews that would disturb me. You know how they sometimes it's a scary your, movie your they show. Nature. Yes, that's right. The first movie I remember seeing with that feeling that I walked out thinking, "Man, that was a waste of time and money." Was when I was in high school and I went to see the the revamp of Godzilla. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, the man, 1999 the one with Matthew version? Broderick. Yes. Oh, yes. oh, that is a dud. A yeah. dud. 
that was the first movie I was like, oh my gosh, that was truly garbage. That was garbage. And so, and, and now if I go see a movie and I'm getting that feeling, I don't hesitate. I walk out. I just, I just, I just get up and I leave. You know, sometimes I go into another, I go into another movie and I watch another movie. I have never done that, but I've been with people that did it. I can tell you the movies they did it with. I went and saw um, Born on the Fourth of July, that Tom Cruise Vietnam movie. Uh-huh. I thought it was pretty good. It was okay. Mm-hmm. Right. I was with this chick. Gone. She got up and left. And she's like, how did you sit through that garbage? I'm like, man, clearly you, this chick has not seen the bad movies I've seen. Mm-hmm. I also went to see that Simpsons film. Remember that? That came right. out? Yeah. Hose was with me. Bam. Gets up and li- he's gone. He didn't wow. even say anything. He'd had enough. That's crazy. You know, I've thought about walking out of movies. Most of the movies I hate, I would, I, I don't go to the theater to see th- stuff that I think is going to suck unless I get tricked or I'm with someone that demands it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, remember that, uh, remember that uh, Mars Attacks movie? Had, sure. Like, that looked, the previous that looked pretty good, all-star cast, the whole nuts, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't see it, and it's, I thought that movie was just garbage. Really? I, haven't, I haven't seen that movie. I wanted to get up and leave, but the the part of me that wants to leave gets overridden by the part of me that's cheap. Because I paid mm. X amount of dollars for that movie ticket, and I'm going to take up space in that theater, no matter what they're showing, because I paid well, the like, money. Like I said, I, the first time I did this, I remember it clearly, is I went to see... Do you remember the movie Stuntman? No. no I it's, a, it, it's a comedy, and it was starring somebody Adam Sandler-esque. It wasn't Adam Sandler, but it was somebody like him. And it was awful. It was so bad. And after after 15 minutes, I was like, why am I here? And so I got up, and I went into the hallway, and I saw Hairspray. And I was like, a Hairspray? I've heard that that's probably pretty good. I went in there. Best decision of my life. Yeah. Best decision of my life, watching Hairspray instead of Stuntman. Um, and so I, I'm not afraid. And I'm sure that that's against the rules. You probably shouldn't do that, but I don't care. You They've know- got my money. Teresa used to drag me to all these horror movies. I'm not a big horror guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I was like, these are going to be garbage. And they almost, I don't think there was maybe one time where I didn't think it was absolute garbage. I remember we went and saw that Annabelle with the with the living doll. The doll. Mm-hmm. What a load of crap. Nothing <laughs> happens in the whole movie. And at the end, they slowly pan to the storage area where Annabelle's kept. And you see her, and the camera pans in. You're waiting for that doll to go like, blah, 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 and then the movie just ends. She never moves. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Then at one time, we were in a horror movie. It was boring as heck. I got up to go to the bathroom. I came back. I, wa- I was walking down the aisle. The, the hero of the movie got hit by a car, and then the movie ended. That was, <laughs> that was it. So, yeah, there's wow. been some duds. Yeah. Well, you know... The- the thing is, I don't think movies are ever coming back, Aaron. I think that after, you know, COVID and all this stuff, I think that, that, that most of them, unless they've got an angle, like, you know, in the big cities, how they have those Alamo draft houses where you can sit in the recliner yeah. and they bring you steak dinners That's and stuff like angle, that. By the way. Those will probably continue on. But yeah. like the, the movie theaters around here, I can't imagine people going out for theaters because the, the, they've already they've already the dam has already been busted. Like Wonder Woman and all those things, there you can stream them right now. They were dying for, anyway. Or they just yeah, for hardly nothing. This is just hasten their demise. So when I, when I want to go um, see a top shelf film, I'm just gonna get in the car and roll over to Jack Flack's house. He's got that mega yeah, theater in the backyard. 
With the popcorn cooking, the, the hot dog machine smelling. The arcade I games, the flak plex. We'll go back in there yeah. and get the big chairs. Yeah, give me the flak plex or give me a death. Yeah. Chris Folds asks, would you rather sleep wearing handcuffs or a helmet? I don't remember which is more uncomfortable. I, okay, I'll give you my answer. Yeah. A thousand percent, I would rather be wearing handcuffs. Because when you're sleeping, you're the most important thing about sleeping is giving your brain rest. Okay? And so giving your brain rest means you need to you need to put your head on something soft. You know? Give me a pillow. I can take the handcuffs. I can take the handcuffs. Well, it depends on how tight they are. Like if they're really Dude, there's cinched no, there's in. no there's there's nothing about how cinched in the handcuffs are. Yeah. So I agree with you unless the handcuffs are really tight, then I would go with the helmet. Yeah. 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 Laurent asks, there are now ten million channels on the Discord server. How do you guys manage to keep up? Remember when you used to mock the the uh, uh, Coco Talk uh, Discord for all the channels they had, and now listen, man, listen. I knew you were going to bring that you up. Did I mock knew them. it. You did. Mock I knew them. it. We still have one tenth the amount of channels the Coco Talk Discord has. Okay, and there are things that you can do to mitigate the amount of content that you receive on Discord. Uh, for example, there are channels on the Discord that I mute which I only go to when I feel like reading them, like the current events channel. Sometimes I just don't feel like reading what's going on in the current events channel because I'm just, I'm not mentally prepared to take it on. You know, I boycotted that that channel channel for like about uh, uh, 20 minutes one time. (laughs) Then I got so mad at something, I went there and raved, raved. (laughs) So that channel I use occasionally. I, I never mute anything. I never did. Yes. But anyway, if you if you feel overwhelmed with the amount of channels on the Discord, you know you can collapse the categories. I've I've arranged the categories in such a way where if you if you want to just focus on certain things, you can. Also, if you collapse all the categories, whenever there's a new conversation in any channel, it'll pop up, and so you can see everything that's the everything that's new because a bunch of our channels don't get used very often. So those are those are ways that you can kind of keep it under control. Um, I do realize that there are a lot of channels now on Discord, uh, not as many as the Coco Talk, but there are a lot. But that's just the way it is because we've got a lot of different topics that we want to discuss. We've got a lot of different shows. I've done my best to keep the number of channels on the Discord to an absolute minimum. I'd like to start a new channel on there, but we'll talk about that later. Okay. Blue Train asks, how do you think we would handle the emergence of a non-humid primate that could speak? Clearly, they've never met Brent. <laughs> I would be down. I mean, I, listen, primates can sort of speak already with hand signals and stuff to hold, uh, which is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, <laughs> I forgot he was in the chat. Sorry, to Brent. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I uh, uh, I would be down with that. How would we cope? How would the whole world cope with? It? I think they'd be okay with it. Now, if we get into a gorilla grod situation where they the, the monkeys are evil and they're like a Planet of the Apes type thing. Then you got a problem. Is Gorilla is Gorilla Garon like Gorilla Monsoon? No, Gorilla Grod. Well, it's a he's a super intelligent gorilla that lives in uh, 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 Gorilla City or whatever in the DC universe. He's kind of oh, evil. it's a comic book. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd be down with with talking to a primate that could speak. I'd want to know like if he could do if he could go both ways. You know, if he could talk to the ant, if he could talk, talk to, to the animals. animals. I knew that was coming. <laughs> um, it would be great to be like, hey, what's he thinking about right now? And then he'd go over and talk to me. He could tell you. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be awesome. Cool. 
I'd love it. I'd like to know what um, monkeys and gorillas think. Like, what what, yeah. what is their mindset about stuff? Right. You know, I'd or, love to do that. Yeah. Uh, Christian Russell asks, you're going to be stranded on a desert island. You can only take the work of one artist or band from this particular list, okay? So from the following list, you can only take work from one of these artists. Fleetwood Mac, Queen, ABBA, Elton John, or the Rolling Stones. You get their entire catalog. Which one would you pick? Fleetwood Mac, ABBA, Elton John, or the Rolling Stones? Yes. Not, okay, not the Queen's Rolling Stones. In there too. Not Elton John. Fleetwood Mac, Fleetwood Mac, ABBA, and who was the other one? Queen. That's a tough choice. That is a tough choice, but because I'm trying to, I, take, I'm ready. This was not a tough choice for me. I'm going to, and I'm just, I'm going to say this strictly on the diversity of their catalog, okay? And because I would want a little bit of everything on the island. I'm going to say Queen. Okay. Uh, but it's tough. I would go for the Rolling Stones, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Presumably, you're going to be stranded on this desert island for a long time. You're going to want the maximum amount of things to listen to, okay? The Rolling Stones have been ac active since 1963, yeah. okay? And they put out an album last year. They've covered a large variety. You know, they've, they've ridden the various tides, the various waves of musical genres. You know, they had a disco album. They had the weird, like, psychedelic album. They've done it all. They've done it all. And their stuff isn't great. I'm not the world's biggest Rolling Stones fan, but... They do have lots of material, and so I would probably go with the Rolling Stones just so I would have the most amount of material to listen to. The problem is the uh, the Rolling Stones have a lot of crap in the, in their catalog. I was trying to think, and I, here's something else: I wanted something that was all over the map. I mean, I love Fleetwood Mac. I love them. All right, uh, I love Queen. I even, I like the Rolling Stones a lot. I like Elton John. I like a lot of. I mean, Elton John's another one, it, but I mean, I want a diverse catalog of songs to listen to. Queen's been around for a long time, too. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, they haven't been making albums recently, but, uh, uh, so, I, I would just choose them on the base, but, I mean, I, the problem with Queen is, and this is where, if, like, a Fleetwood Mac would be, I was thinking with the two, because Fleetwood Mac had so many people that they could sing, and so it's sort of like getting three different bands. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? that's true. That's, so that's true. I yeah. was I was debating between and Abba. I love Abba. You know that, and I, and you would Abba would make you feel better about your situation because they're yeah. so upbeat. But mm -hmm. sometimes you don't want. Sometimes that sugary sweet happiness you'd want to throw the radio in the in the water. Right. Fleetwood right. Mac's got a good mix of. I'm talking myself into Fleetwood Mac now. I think I think so. Maybe I'm going to switch my vote. They would be number two for yeah. me because out of all the groups, that I'm the least familiar with their deep catalog. Like, I know all their hits. Everybody knows all yeah. their hits. But, you know, so that would probably be number two for me. That's a good pick, too. Well, the diverse, uh, like I said, the multiple singers, that's part of you, it. Too. You can't really go wrong with any of these groups. Yeah. All these groups I like. Yeah. I would probably axe ABBA first just because they're, you know, they, I think, and again, I'm, I'm not the world's largest ABBA fan, but I think in terms of musical genres and variety, they're probably got the narrowest thing. Yeah. And then go Elton John next and keep Queen, Fleetwood Mac, and the Rolling Stones. Uh, but great question, Christian. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Um, da Krabs asks, okay, I finally got a decent gaming PC. What's the best and easiest way, because I'm not an IT guy at all, to emulate Amiga games. The company. Period. Full stop. 
You go to the company's web page. They've got a robust What's the company's selection. Web, give, give it to them. What's the company's web page? Oh, jeez, but what are you doing? Give me it's the company.pl. It is. Is that what it is? Yeah, man. Yeah, it is. It's the company.pl. They just, in fact, we just talked about them. They just finished up uh, updating all their web, all their uh, EXEs. They've got a ton of games here. And they're all as e there. You can't make them any easier, can you, Bo? You literally just no. point at them and then hit the button. That's it. So the, the you know the advantage of the company is that the disadvantage is that they don't have everything. They don't. But but they've got a lot of the if, big ones. Yeah. If you if if you go to the company first, like say we're playing a game on Amigos, go there first. If they'd have it, download it because that's the easiest way. Now, if if they don't have it, things get more complicated. You know, we've sort of grown accustomed to dealing with Amiga emulation and people that are into computer emulation sort of, but you, you tend to forget the people that are only used to console emulation, how much more difficult it is. I mean, it really is more difficult to emulate stuff like the, the, the Coco and the Amiga than it is to emulate the NES or the master system Absolutely. or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, for I, in my opinion, Going with a solution like FSUAE is the easiest because it's literally, it gives you one window. You don't have to deal with Workbench at all. You set up, you know, you just load your Kickstart file. You tell it to emulate whatever system you want. You know, 1200 is probably what you want. And then you select your game from the, from the database and, and, the, and there you're in. But again, you still have to know about how to configure WHD, how to get the files into the system and sync it with the database and all that stuff. There really isn't a, a brain-dead simple Amiga solution for emulation yet, except for the company. They're really well, the only ones. Out there. I would put them in this order. And someone mentioned Amiga Live. Amiga Live is fine, provided you're not trying to use the service to play Amiga games live. Then it gets much more <laughs> complex. Uh, but I would say the company... And then after the company, you would be looking at something like a uh, uh, like a launch box or a, or a coin, like CoinOps Next Two. If you download the Amiga uh, download, it's preset up, and so that makes it real simple. But the company is the first thing I'd go to. So that's yeah. our answer. What's one thing we agree on, Boat? The company. Yeah. Um, let's see. Kate Fox asks, "Can you tell us about your first time on the net?" What computer was it, and what did you do online? My first computer on the internet, but it would have been a PC. Uh, it would have been, because I was using BBSs up until I moved to Lexington, which was 89, okay? I knew about the internet in college, which was, uh, no, that's not true. I lied to you there. I, it would have been, because I went to Lexington in 93, so the first time I used the internet would have been, but because you back in the day there was no real way to get on it. Right. Uh, it would have been with my old 486 probably. And it would have been with AOL, uh, to be honest, because really that was the easiest way to get on. There were no providers. Yeah. I mean, eventually stuff like Earthlink and stuff came out. There's you know like same kind of thing as AOL, but I mean it absolutely was on a PC. Uh, I in fact. Uh, 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 the Amiga was never, uh, like I said, there was no, there was, I know they've got a browser, but at the time, no one used it. It was all BBSs when I was back in the, you know, doing it. So, you know, I would say my old 486 that I, that was a 3D, in a 3D6 motherboard would be the first one that I used. What about you? Uh, probably for me, I would say the, uh, well, it's definitely my, in 95, uh, my dad got a Pentium 1. It was a 90 megahertz Pentium 1. 
um, with Windows 3.1, and we got AOL at about the same time. Yeah. This was just before my freshman year of high school. And um, my first exposure to the Internet wasn't really the Internet. It was just AOL and that AOL sort of walled garden. Remember how AOL had the keywords and they had, at that time, they'd already opened up the user group. So really, I experienced the, um, you know, um, Usenet before I experienced the Internet, which is sort of interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I had access, and I remember going on to, like, there were a bunch of different chat rooms and stuff. And I remember distinctly going to a Beatles chat room, and there was a bunch of stuff like, press one for John, press two for Paul. And I was like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. Um, and, uh, and then I discovered Usenet and Usenet it was, was amazing. I didn't really get on the internet internet probably until a year after that when we got, um, what was it called? I think it was called pipeline. It was one of the first ISPs to come around to West Virginia. And, um, it was, it was so great to finally be, you know, free of the shackles of per minute internet usage. Yeah. And you could, you could do as much as you wanted. And at that point, um, that's when I really discovered that the web and I, I, it was mostly for me at that time, it was mostly looking at stuff related to pop or, or music. So I was really into the cure then I was really into, they might be giants. So I would find these web rings. Do you remember web rings? Yep, yeah. You, a yeah. B- bunch of different sites that were connected by web rings and stuff like that. Yeah. It, 95, 96. That was for me. It's funny because the first time any, I heard anybody talk to me about the web, I was at my apartment in Huntington. This would have been 1990, real early. Mm-hmm. And my buddy worked for the Corps of Engineers. He was like, "Man, we got the." He goes, "We could get access to this thing called the World Wide Web." Because I was on there looking at a Star Trek, uh, and I couldn't envision what he was talking. I was like, no reference for what he meant. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What is that? What are you looking at? When? What do you see? Mm-hmm. You know?" You know, it's like it was. It sounded like a, B, a, a fancy BBS to me. I know what it was. You know, but I, I remember distinctly him telling me about it and how he thought it was a pretty big deal. That he, and he said, because I was like, how did you find this site? All you get, you type in this code, which was the, he was talking about a URL. You know, he typed the code in. It was all right. very uh, uh, nebulous at the time. Yeah, I still remember there was an issue of Rolling Stone because I used to get Rolling Stone in the, in the early 90s. It was 1994, 95, and they, they published an internet issue. And I still remember all of the sites that they, they profiled, they still had those really obscure URLs. They were like 270 characters long, you know, with a bunch of different backslashes and subdirectories and stuff. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a different time. And, uh, I, I really think that at some point in the future, people are going to look back at that early internet time in the same way that people look at like the TV of like the, you know, the fifties and sixties, sort of like the golden era of communication. So I don't, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if like geo cities and stuff like that becomes like the new nostalgia. At some I occasionally point. see an article about geo cities or one of those old things. But I mean, ultimately no one it's, I look at the internet a lot. Like I'd look at say like a, a piece of software on your computer, right? If you're using the newest version of windows, right? Windows 10, you're not going to, you're not going to go back and use windows, uh, Vista, for example, or or if you're and that's not even the best. Let's say you're using the newest version of PK Zip. You're not gonna go back to PK Zip Beta Point One and for nostalgic purposes because it just sucked. A lot of this stuff just got better because it was upgraded and got better. And so 
people like better, they don't like not better. So that's sort of the way I look at it. You know, Aaron, you didn't answer the second part of the question. I'm sorry. When you finally did get online, what were some of the things that you did in those early, what were some of the early sites that you visited? Easy. I tried to pirate as much software as I possibly could. That's what I, <laughs> I was much like flack. I was sort of single minded. Uh, and, and, uh, but I did like to look at stuff like, uh, I'll tell you some just non piratey stuff that I would do, which was look up like TV shit. Like this is something you'll take for granted now, but like, I had I did not know how many Twilight Zones there were, or and what mm-hmm. they were. Have I seen them all? Or Star Trek, the original series. So you'd go back and try to find lists of stuff like that. Uh, and so because that the, you know early on there was no YouTube or you're not watching video in this crap. It was all text based or or you know rudimentary web pages. Uh, and so you you but multimedia wasn't an option. It, you were just looking for information. You know. And so I was looking for stuff that I got on the BBSs because that's what I was used to looking for, you know. And so early on, the Internet to me was just like a big, huge, omni-sized BBS. There you go. Uh, Let's see. Super Famiking asks, what retro gaming item do you own that holds the most sentimental value? Why don't you tackle that one? I'll have to think about it. I'll tell you. It's this thing right here. Bam. The Atari 1200XL. It's the only thing that I've had since I was a kid that I still have. Everything else uh, has either been sold, given away, or thrown away. Um, The Atari 1200XL is the only thing left. That's got the most sentimental value to me. It's funny because I don't have my original Coco, for example. uh, 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 But I do have my original Odyssey 2. Which I hold that in high regard, but I don't, I, I'm not the really that I don't really get that sentimental over stuff like that. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, well, I mean, well, I, I, what do you mean by get sentimental? Over? Like I don't have a possession, uh, like I don't have like a one in my collection that I look at it and like, oh, this takes me back because none of it. So really when you look at that. the two XL, you don't think that because why I, do you have that? The two XL I bought wall? when I was a, a, a grown man. It's not like I had it when I was a kid. I never had it. But it's one. still it still engenders that same feeling to you. No. Like it really doesn't matter if it was the one that you had when you were a kid or not. You still get that same feeling when you look at it. Yeah, but I, that's I, the question. That's not the way I would answer the question. I'm not sure I've got something that I get real super sentimental over. I'll be honest with you. I look at computers. You know, I watch the new. It's not new now, but there's a big craze. People are building all these old PCs, right? They're finding these PCs and fixing them up. And they're and they're like, oh, look at this beautiful the contours, this beige box, and also, man, to me, I looked at computers almost like I look at like a toaster. Like I mean, it was just a tool. You say that all the time, yet you spend tons and tons of money filling your room with all kinds of crap from your youth. You can't tell me that when you look at that stuff, you feel nothing. None of this stuff was from my youth. That's where you're wrong. I keep telling you that the cocos from my youth. But stuff like the uh, the Amiga 1000 or all those role playing books. When you look at those role playing books, they don't take you back to when you were but that's younger. That's not that's not that's not retro gaming related. That wasn't a question. I'm not saying I don't have anything that doesn't take me back. I'm just well, saying, don't give me the don't give me this like oh I don't feel anything when I see this stuff. It's all just a bunch of tools. I know that's crap. Your room wouldn't look like that if you really felt that way. Listen, part of this is what could I get now that I could never have before? If you consider that. Uh, nostalgic feeling that I do have tons of that, 
It's like I was telling you with the guys on Discord. I dug all this stuff out with the Amiga 1000 that I picked up and all this extra hardware and stuff. And I looked up the ads for it. It added up to like 1500 bucks just in hardware. And I was like, you know, I can never have afforded any of this stuff. So it's kind of neat to now have it. But I wouldn't call that nostalgia. I don't know what I would call that. All right. Well, I'm not you that can I don't like it. it. Chris Folds asks, what's the weirdest thing you ever overheard? That conversation at the uh, uh, at the hillbilly flea market comes to mind, where they were talking about the Chinese buying up all the all the state parks, and and <laughs> that <laughs> because these two hillbillies were as serious as a heart attack as they were, and it, this thing went on for at least an hour. It was happening when I was looking in the store. It, it was happening when I left. It was happening while I went to go get some money to buy that cocoa I bought. And when I got back, it was still happening. So this was an intense conversation about that. So that's something that comes to mind. You know, I don't really over. I overhear most of my conversations that I overhear come from students. And they're, they, they amuse me, but they're not weird. You know, they're students talking about things that, that they think are important. So there's a lot of like Fortnite conversations and stuff like that. Um, I don't know that I've ever really overheard anything weird, mostly because whenever I'm out and about at places like the Hillbilly Flea Market, I do my best to sort of shut my ears to what's going on, because normally it's just a lot of racist nonsense, if, if, if we're honest have, with you. Have you been to the Hillbilly Flea Market? No, I, I've only been okay. to the Milton Flea Market, which I consider to be like the younger brother of I mean, the Hillbilly Flea th Market. Th that's the upscale big city flea market compared right, to the Hillbilly right. Flea Market. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pixels at Dawn asks, we were, we all remember the era when things were being miniaturized more and more, handheld TVs, etc. What mini device did you want then, and what would you want now? Hmm. I can answer this one first. All right, go please. I was always uh, under the spell of the miniaturized um television you know remember when those came out yeah. the little handheld tvs with the tiny tiny screen i just thought it would be so cool to be able to go up to my room and watch alf just by myself and it was always alf that was always like the thing that i wanted i wanted alf and i wanted it in my room alone i always thought alf was weird a weird yeah. show the guy that played alf and that created show was a real strange guy too i've read about him um, those little TVs, I would say that that's a good choice because those were the uh, just awesome, you know. And I had one eventually, and uh, as a as a much again a non nostalgic Aaron got one when he was when they were on their way out. But I had one. I would take it to work, and it breaks. I could open it up and extend the antenna and watch you know mm -hmm. the one channel I could get. Uh, and but I always thought that was kind of really super cool, you know. That you could that you could do that. Stuff that's been miniaturized. I mean, for me, everything has been miniaturized. You're talking. I remember having computers that were the motherboards were huge, and the and the hard drives, like Bigfoot hard drive that filled a whole five and a quarter inch drive bay. It always blows my mind that you can take and store information on something the size of a, of a thumbnail, uh, the uh, physical thumbnail. I mean, a lot of that stuff really blows my mind. So I think storage would be near the top of my list in terms of stuff that I couldn't believe you could get that's so small. I mean, because it was so difficult to store things back in the day. I, I came from, you're talking about somebody who had a tape drive in his PC for years. And that's the way we swapped software. And you're talking 200, 
if you didn't it, uh, to uncompressed because we would pre-compress our stuff with better compression you get like 120 or 200 megs of space on a uh, megs of space on one of these tapes but you know that this was what we had you know right. and now you've got so much it's uh, it's un, it's like we live in the in the uh, space age where you've got so much information that can be stored on something so tiny so the miniaturization of storage has been a real uh that's a real brain drainer for me. I love that. Now, what was the rest of the question? What's What was the other parts of it? What mini device did you want then, and what would you want now? So what what still hasn't come to pass that you would like to have that's a miniature? Uh, they've miniaturized almost everything that I love. I'll be honest with you. Uh, what I wanted then was just what you said. I would also have liked to have had a TV. And, that, and they were... Cause I, and the thing is, only the richest kings could get these TVs back when I was a kid. These little ones. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of now, what would I like to see them shrink down? I would like to see stuff like VR technology really shrunk down to where it didn't break your neck or have any cords. Like, really lightweight stuff. Sort of like what you'd see in, like, Stranger Days, where it's just like a... Almost like a pair of glasses and maybe like a little, like a little Walkman you put on your belt. Mm-hmm. I think that would be near the top. I think that would be a pretty awesome thing that really shrink. I think it'll probably happen eventually. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I had a hard time thinking about what minute, what technology hasn't already been shrunk down. Yeah. And really, VR is the only thing that's left. You know, it's the only thing that's still sort of big and bulky. So I would go with that. I also, you know, it's funny. Even back in the 2000s, I'd be laying in bed and I'd have an idea or something that I always go back I'd always have this image of like, boy, wouldn't it be awesome if I could just have like a little thing beside me where I could like look something up really quick, like, uh, you know, on the Internet or if I needed to take a note down. And I always thought about remember in um, in Empire Strikes Back, remember at the end when Luke opens up that little panel and his new arm and he's like they're they're fixing stuff. In, and I was like, wouldn't it be cool if you could just like open up a panel in your arm and you could type something in? Now, of course, that's not what happened. But what we did get was exactly what I n- thought we'd never get, which is just a smartphone, which is like a thing that lays beside you in your bed. And if you want to look up something, you know, if something's driving you crazy, you can look it up real quick. And the the future is now, and the future is awesome. It, it That's can't, about, that, the internet and 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 mobile technology, the effect. I've been around for it long enough to have seen the difference of before, and remember what it was like before the internet and the mobile technology race and after, and it's. The, uh, the effect it's had on people, I mean, we've talked about this before, Boat Offline, it's like when when you're, in the old days, if you heard something on the radio and you didn't know who sang it, you may never know. You know, you are, mm-hmm. you're trying to remember who said something, you may never know. Or or if you did somehow manage to figure it out, you'd feel like you cracked the Rosetta yeah. Stone. And we, like I said, we had friends that specialized in different things. Mm-hmm. Some guys were good at music, some guys were good at comic books. And you could trust them because they'd been proven to be right. You know, it, it, that's people. Uh, uh, so now that you've got the the accumulated universe of the entire, or the cubic knowledge of the entire universe at your fingertips, I almost feel like that we don't, or I know we're not. We're not as a, as a race. We're not appreciative enough of what we've been gifted. Yeah, and, uh, I agree. You know how I, I am. I get excited about everything. And so mm-hmm. it always baffles me that no one seems to be excited about this stuff. They just grew up with it. I guess that's why. Yeah, yeah. Batman asks, name two games that seemingly everyone loves that you hate with a passion and just don't understand the appeal. I know what you're going to answer, Andy. Uh I would say the Final Fantasy series. 
Yeah. And the and the Zelda series. I don't I've never understood I've never understood the appeal of those types of games. The type of game. I've never understood that set around and watch two guys hit each other with a stick sort of thing. And I've never understood and this is again, I'm not saying these are bad games, by the way, because the people love them. So clearly they're not. But they're just not things I've ever had any interest in. You know? So so like NASCAR, not my bag. People love it, not me. What about you? I think there's a ton, of course, there's a ton of genres of games that I don't like, uh, a ton. Um, but the vast majority of them, I can understand why people like them. The one exception is sort of the the one that that I come back to time after time after time, and that's the genre of first person, frame by frame dungeon crawler. You know, stuff like Dungeon Master. I don't understand the appeal of walking around in a maze where you're constantly running into walls where everything looks exactly the same and your only goal is to destroy monsters and find treasure for which you never have an opportunity to use outside of the dungeon. Like, I could understand the appeal of these games if at some point you exited the dungeon and you were walking around in a different place, like, and you go into towns and you can spend your gold and you go back in. And that's sort of the appeal of the pen and paper Dungeons & Dragons games, is that at some point you either start the adventure in a tavern or you leave the dungeon and you go into the town and you spend your money and then you go back in. But in games where the entire game is set within a single space and the only thing that you're looking at is that drab gray wall, man, what a way to waste your time. That's just the worst. I will say this. First of all, I can understand what, exactly what you're saying. I think, it's in my opinion, a lot of those sorts of games were games of their era... Okay. Why? Let me ask you. Why were they made step by step with all the walls? It, it, because that's what the technology that was available. Right? Those games morphed into the first person dungeon crawls that you see today. All right. Eventually. But so they're right at the at the very at Jump Street. They're behind the curb now technologically. You know, I had the same problem with old, the old Ultimas. Like I couldn't get into those at all. They were just it was so much work. To figure out what was going on, where you're at, they were so complex. Uh, I, I can understand why you would think that they aren't games that are going to play well now, unless you're nostalgic for them. But the people that are nostalgic for them, I can understand their side of it too, because it there was something to it. Being a young, you're a kid, you're mapping this stuff, and you're scared to turn the corner, and you really get into it, and it gives you that feeling that you're there. So there's something to be said for the people that enjoy them as well, but it's every, I can fully understand why someone would not like them now. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we go to Crazy Loomis next. He says... Are you saying he's crazy, or is that his name? Ah, uh, that's his name. Okay. That's his name, Crazy Loomis. You have access to a time machine... Yes! ...that takes you back to 1987. 1987, a great year for a young Aaron Dowdy. Freshly minted driver's license, ready to take on the world. Yeah. You are now standing in front of Commodore's management. Maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> this is just after the release of the Amiga 500 and before Ali Mendy Mehdi became a board member and much later president. Yeah. You have now the power to save Commodore from its doom. They will do exactly what you tell them. What do you say or do? 
what was just released? So this is so basically the Amiga 500 has just been released. It's 1987. You have the power to control Commodore's future. What do you do? Well, you, you you've got to knock off the one guy. That's the first thing. Just to, just <laughs> if for any reason for vengeance. Uh, but secondly, listen, we've talked about this boat. But we'll talk about it again. Why did Commodore go away? Right. The answer is because it was inevitable. It really, I think it was inevitable because the big players in the business world were not Commodore or Atari or a bunch of these other guys. It was you. You're, this is when the PC will start to take. It's going to grab that mark. And to a certain extent, Apple are going to take over the business area. All right, and so and that's ultimately what killed these machines. Now, if I was going to try to save Amiga, I would. I would give this information to the upper branch of, of the guys running it and say, listen, we've got to get these in. We've got to compete with the PC. And what that would probably mean is making an entirely different computer that wasn't even an Amiga. You know what I mean? What are you doing? Uh, Christian was ta talking about the size of my fancy water jug. All right. What do you think? Um, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, Commodore needed to make the decision to pivot in 1987, okay? They tried their best to break into this quote-unquote legitimate um, business computer world with the Amiga 1000. Yeah. And by 1987, it was clear that they had lost to the PC and to a lesser extent to the Macintosh. Yeah. However, Commodore, the Amiga, had a huge leap over the PC and the Mac in one important area, games. In 1987, nothing could touch the games that were coming out of the Amiga. There was nothing. So in order to keep the lead, what I would tell Commodore's management, I was like, listen, there is one reason and one reason only why people buy games, and that's graphics, okay? The OCS... ECS chipset is great. It was awesome for 1985, but we have to start moving forward now. Yeah. The PC, you know, it may look like crap, but trust me, there are people that are working on this thing and they're coming out with stuff that's awesome and it's going to blow us out of the water. We need to start working on our next generation of graphics right now and we need to develop systems that are expandable. So we need to stop soldering chips onto our motherboards and we need to start putting out towers where we can continue to expand upon our graphics. As time moves on, graphics are just going to get better and better. Storage is going to get cheaper and cheaper. We need to have expandable boards where people can just take out a graphics processor and put a new one in and go to town. Okay, If they would have done that, if they would have come up with a legitimate successor to OCS ECS, not the AGA crap that they came out with, but a real AAA chipset, the Hombre, whatever, that would have turned the tide in Commodore's favor and kept them legitimate, at least in the eyes of gamers. I think the pro... Well, the, you know, we get this a lot. What would you do to keep a, a, a Commodore going? In a lot of ways, and, and you know I'm not the biggest fan, but... Um, Commodore, the, the Commodore's spirit is almost perfectly encapsulated in what Apple was effectively became uh, coming out of that. 
Apple was the artist's computer. Apple was the music computer. Apple was the publishing computer. Uh, and Apple, and that was their angle, and it made, and it, and that that was enough to keep them relevant for all those years until they came out with Apple, came out with their other stuff. Uh, the Amiga could have been something like that, right? Uh, what did Apple do that Commodore didn't do, right? I saw a, a little special on Apple yesterday. They put out four hundred million different models. They were all, they were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But one thing they weren't doing was complacency or sitting there and letting their junk age like Atari and Commodore did. You're dead mm -hmm. on there. I agree yeah. with that. But that was a part of the problem. I mean, Commodore did make machines that you could expand. Commodore did make machines that you could add video cards and stuff to. The problem was, uh, it, it was just it, by the time that that stuff kicked in, you, they were already getting that niche uh, market thing going. I mean, and they, they just didn't have the didn't have the uh, reach to keep the ball rolling. So I'm not sure you could you could go back and kill people or alter stuff. But I just don't know if the, if you're ever going to make it. So the Amiga is like a world power when when it comes to uh, uh, today. I don't. Yeah, know. I don't. I, I agree with you. I don't think that we you could ever make Amiga a world power. But what you could do is you could make Amiga sort of a, a, a player in the scene, if not a world-beating Microsoft PC-style power. So. Right, because Apple, I think Apple knew pretty early on that they weren't going to actively compete with the PC mono-a-mono right. mono, like, on a level playing ground. They're going to have to make their thing. Look at what they do now. They make a machine that's arguably, you know, basically dead even with what technology's around, and they sell it for tons and they can sell it that way because they they put a lot of money into the operating system. They've got a lot of followers, and they put out a quality product. I mean, it is what right. it is. I, I mean, don't like it, but it's in, true. In, in the market as big as the PC market, if you have a 7% market share, you're a billion-dollar company. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's not forget that you know the Amiga sold 7 million uh, machines over the course of its lifespan. 7 million is such an infinitesimal number compared to almost anything else. I mean, like, people act like the Amiga was one of the major players. No, the Amiga has a very large enthusiast base that is very vocal about certain things. But in terms of being a major player, you know, they, they just weren't. They just weren't. Well, and they could have been they would have had until, to. Yeah, they would have had to ahead. expand their reach in the States exponentially. Right. That's another. Right. When they lost the States, they were boned. And that's yeah. not because I'm an American. It's just... That's way, way well, I mean, it's just it's the, that that market is just so important. Yeah. All right. Chris Folds asks: In the film Demolition Man, you could have skill sets downloaded into your brain and become an instant expert at things. Yeah. If you could choose to have one skill set instantly downloaded into your mind, what would it be and why? I've never seen that movie, but I, I haven't. Either. I'm familiar with the concept because of. Wait a minute! Is that the one where they come back? Is that the one with Wesley Snipes? That's true, yeah. I have seen that. Never mind. And, and uh, Stallone. Um, yeah. I, I've seen, of course, Matrix and uh, a Red Nerd. It's all the same. It's all yeah. the same crap. Yeah. Uh, I, I've always been fascinated with the ability to know a foreign language with a chip. I think that'd be awesome. You know, just yeah. instantly I could speak and read Japanese, for example. So that's probably mm -hmm. the area I'd like to go down. I mean, it'd be neat Bam. just to have, Bam. you know, a literary knowledge or something. That'd be fun, too. Like, like you'd instantly have read all these great books, so that'd be my second choice. Mm -hmm. But a foreign language would be fun. Yeah, I man, I was going to say something dumb, but your you answer is way better than mine. I was going to say karate. I was going to say it would be awesome Just if I like could the go the total. You know karate, yeah, you the know total matrix route. 
Um, but uh, knowing a foreign language would be way, way better. Like if I could suddenly communicate with my in-laws, like if like one day Eep was talking to him, I'd be like, just give me the phone. And then I just start chatting it up. First of all, it would be totally mind blowing to them. They wouldn't be able, they wouldn't know what to do. And second of all, I would feel pretty awesome. Yeah. So I would go with foreign language. Okay, Chris asks a follow-up question. He says, in the film Cinderella, they find her because of the perfect fitting shoe that she lost at the ball, ignoring the fact that if it fits so perfect, it would never have fallen off in the first place. Yeah. So, have you ever woken up missing an item of clothing or gained an item of clothing? That's a trick question because... Does that mean that possibly booze could have been involved when you went to sleep? Possibly it, booze could have been involved. Yes, I have done that. Like, you wake up all the time without your, your for example, your pants are not on or your shirt. Yes. So, yes. Have you ever lost the sleeping tunic at nighttime? The sleeping tunic doesn't come off easy. So, that'd be, a, yeah. that'd be, it'd be like taking off a straight jacket. I don't sleep in the yeah. tunic either. It's too hot. Oh, no, that's, that's strictly for... That was a, no, you don't wear that to bed. You just wear it before hmm. bed. Whenever I picture you in bed, I picture you in the sleeping tunic. Please do. Um, I, I've, I I frequently lose socks in the night. Sometimes I'll, I'll wear the socks to bed, and then at some point I will lose the socks. And then it's always an adventure to find the socks within the, the blankets and the comforters when you're doing the laundry. Yeah. Um, I never but uh, I've, never, I've never woken up wearing an article of clothing that I don't remember falling asleep in. Yeah. That's, that would be a first for me. Bundy asks, what are Americans general opinion of Australians? Oh, I think we're quite fond of them. I don't think I've ever heard anyone bad mouth anyone from Australia. In fact, I'd say they come across as friendly, fun, loving types, good looking, you know, tan, uh, athletic, I don't. I can't think of anyone that's ever. I've never heard anyone put the boots to or badmouth an Australian, outside of some. Uh, I don't know. We badmouth Outback Jack, the wrestler. He was horrible. But aside from him, and even he was friendly. Yeah, I think in terms of like nations that your average American is going to be the most friendly to, I think Australians is probably pretty, if not number one, pretty close. To I'd say they're one. ahead of Canadians. Far ahead. Oh, absolutely. And I, I hate Canadians. Let me tell you something. I, I know no one wants to hear this, but I, and I don't care if you don't believe it because it's true. That Crocodile Dundee movie did more for Australia in America's eyes than anyone could possibly imagine. Like, that got them That's over right. for days. That put days. Australia over like nothing else. And Absolutely. thankfully, most people forgot about Yahoo Serious, which could have put them under. <laughs> you know? Man. I haven't I haven't thought about the name Yahoo Serious in a long time. I saw Thank him. For, I saw for, his movie Young Einstein. It was a double bill at the drive-in. The last drive-in I ever went to was the one there off the side the interstate in Huntington. It was See No Evil, Hear No Evil with Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. And the backup on that was Young Einstein. We left during that one. That was a dud. <laughs> um, and Bundy says, "I've always thought we are regarded as rednecks and rejects of the British Empire." Well, then you fit right in with West Virginians, Bundy. We never, no one ever associates you guys with the British. I never. No, now, do they? No, I mean, I'm not just you saying guys that. are totally, totally separate deal. Yeah. In fact, I bet if you polled lots of people, they wouldn't even realize that you were connected with the British Empire at all. Because we're dumb, boat. 
That's true. That's true. Gary Heather asks, what do you guys actually receive and benefit from each Twitch subscription? I don't know. And that's a shoot. A boat knows. <laughs> I don't have any, I don't know any how Twitch works. I was talking to Flack the other day when stuff was flying around the screen. I didn't know if I'd done it, what I'd done. I had no idea what's going on with Twitch. We get about two bucks a month from each Twitch subscription. Really? Two bucks a month. Yeah. That's pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Christian Russell asks, excluding tomato ketchup, which other condiment could you not do without? Uh, mayo. Really? Yeah. I didn't know you had such strong feelings about yeah, mayonnaise. Yeah, I like mayo or or uh, what's the other stuff? Uh, Miracle Whip is something like that. Yeah. Those are the two. I like those, yeah. And then barbecue sauce would be number three. For me, I mean, obviously, ketchup is number one with a bullet. That's 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 my condiment of choice. It goes on but, so much. That's the thing. Yeah. I would probably say just because of my particular household and the type of, of food that I eat a lot, I would say soy sauce is probably number two. Uh, I, I put soy sauce on many more things now than I did before I married a, a girl from Asia. Um, and uh, and with the amount of rice that I eat, probably soy sauce is number two for me. Mm. Although I do love mayonnaise. Don't get me wrong. Boy, what Miracle a way! Whip is end. sort of like mayo, Christian. It's it's like yeah. A, oh yeah. Sorry. A, yeah, yeah. We should we should explain whip Miracle Whip mayo. Yeah, Miracle Whip is a. It actually is marketed as a salad dressing. Yeah. If you look at the uh, if you look at the, the nobody uses. I've never known anyone to use Miracle Whip as a salad dressing. It's basically. It's like a it's mayonnaise, but it's a little bit tangier. Yeah. I think it's got like some lemon juice or something well, in it. I think it. the whip. Is I like Miracle Whip more than mayonnaise. I I do. I prefer yeah, it. I agree. I agree. Yeah, but I'll eat them both. Uh, I I believe that it's probably it might be close to what you call salad cream in the UK. I think Cool Whip is whipped cream. That's all Cool Whip. Yeah, is. Whip, cool whip that's is a whipped whip cream. topping for a dessert. Yeah, Miracle Whip is like salad cream. You know what's good eating, boat. You get you some What's of that, that. You get you some pumpkin pie, right? You yeah. get you some of that whipped cream, right? Oh yeah. And you get it nice and cold. Then you get you, and then this is the way I like to do it. You put the whipped cream on top of the pie. You cut that, put that on the plate. And then you get you a nice, cool glass of milk. That's good eating mm. right there, man. Oh man. The milk is really the key because when things when you when you get a pie to the pie and it sort of clogs up the throat a little bit, you get that cool milk running down, oh, and then you're ready for the next round. It's the best. I love it. Love that. Yeah. I love it. Well, this is going to do it for this episode of Ask the Amigos. Thank you so much for writing in, everyone. As always, uh, you can become a member of our Discord community by either subscribing to us on Twitch or supporting us through Patreon, patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast, or twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming will get you there. Uh, we want to thank all of the fine Discord users that uh, wrote in the questions, and we will see you next month for another episode of Ask the Amigos. Amigos, y'all can do it with me? Come on, let's give them one. One, two, three. Adios. Adios.